0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money saver tire and service deals today. Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
1: Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Yes, yes, welcome in, it's Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN, Driven by Mungan S, St. Louis you here in Alton Toyota, Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you. On the program every Tuesday, we have Taylor Twelman. Is it Tuesdays with Taylor or Tuesdays with Twelman? Talking with Twelman. Wow, it's neither. It's brought to you by Together Credit Union, I know that much. And we'll talk doggies with him uh, coming up at uh, 1030. We have the half and half, uh, the little piddles half and half. Mm-hmm. It's got some micro and macro, and I guess that's why the hat it's called half and half by the people.
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of. That sounds just... like
2: it sounds like I picked off a bluff.
0: No, it's it's half pertinent, cardinal, and blessing. then half irrelevant. Well, half more evergreen, more macro topics, so it kind of gets the best of both worlds.
2: The reality is, you want to talk about LeBron.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I don't necessarily like have a lot of takes. I think there's plenty of people firing off their team. I see Stephen today. A.
2: Smith is giving one right now as we speak. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It's,
0: they, they ran into a buzzsaw. The Nuggets are the number one seed in the West. The and
2: question is, would the Lakers and Celtics be, being swept be bad for the NBA? That's what he and J.J. Redick are going back and forth on.
0: I mean, yes and no. You, you'd you prefer to have LeBron in the finals. Well, but... You'd prefer
2: to have a seven-game or six-game series anytime.
0: Right, so a sweep in both the East and West conference finals is not optimal. But teams are playing well. Guess not what? much you can do.
2: I know you're not aware of this, but in the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs.
0: No, Florida's up two nothing. Three nothing. Three nothing, same thing.
2: Right. And then Alex Petrangelo of the Edmonton Oilers. No, no, he, he plays for the Golden Knights. Loaned out to the Golden Knights uh, is up two oh as they head to Dallas. Oh, okay. So these conference finals right now are like my head.
0: Lopsided.
2: Now, see, that's not for you to say. (laughs) Only I can say that. Uh, I want to talk about Rick Hummel here in our first segment, the late post-dispatch Hall of Fame Cardinal baseball writer. Rick Hummel is somebody who, for I would imagine many people in our audience and many baseball fans around the country, was the eyes through which we saw the Cardinals, especially for what was probably, I guess, You know, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, in which something that you didn't experience, Jackson, games weren't all on television. Right. And so that responsibility was even greater. And he was such a kind man. And I sometimes hesitate on these, and and, and, man, I'm telling you, over the last few years, we've lost so many cardinal legends. I feel like we've lost a lot of people in St. Louis sports media. Mm Mm-hmm. Over the last year in particular, the passing of Mike Shannon, Jay Randolph Jr., Tim Van Gaalder, uh, just a number of people, and, and now the commish. Um, so I I don't know, I, just, don't, I try, just try to speak honestly, bluntly about what I know and certainly never say anything negative in somebody's passing. But because of that, sometimes some things can, people can be put on a pedestal posthumously, yep. and but in the case of Rick Hummel, for real, he was as kind and down-to-earth and trusted and respected as you could find in any clubhouse-slash-locker room in any sport that I was around, for real, period. Um, and so that is why the praise you have likely heard for him And the columns from Derek Gould, Ben Fredrickson, Benjamin Hockman in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch are so full of praise, it's because of not just the manner with which he covered the team, but the way he carried himself. And then, taking it beyond his co-workers at the Post-Dispatch, you saw Albert Pujols, Ozzie Smith and Adam Wainwright three of the faces of the organization over the last few decades speak glowingly about him and how they trusted him and how they felt he was fair and I feel like those are two of the best compliments a beat writer can receive that they trusted him and that they felt like he was fair and uh, and it wasn't because he was in anybody's pocket. I want to make that clear. I think that the perhaps skepticism can come with that, that they trusted him because and that's not it. He knew the game. He loved the game. And he would be critical. But the criticism came with credibility because people knew he loved the game and he knew the game. And, um, you know, to go into the personal with Kamish, he worked with us. Um, when we were doing TMA at kfNS and um and I, and I think he was also a part of our time at CBS Sports 920 and just could not have been kinder and I was always kind of in awe of him I mean I was on all of them before the Hall of Fame because that's who I read growing up right and I'm like oh my god this is Rick Hummel and now he's you know somebody I work with but he never, treated anybody in any other way other than just like he was just a regular guy. And I think that's how he saw himself, and I think that's why he had the respect that he had, because of the way he conducted himself and the way he carried himself professionally, both as in interactions that were not in the paper and in those interactions that led to stories and angles that other people didn't have because of his knowledge of the game and the trust he had with the players that allowed them to speak to him openly. And I believe... It was Wainwright's tweet yesterday, I think it was, when he would talk about him scribbling notes, and I would stand next to him sometimes, watching him scribble these notes. I like, go, oh, "What in the hell's he writing?" It's like <laughs> it's like another language. Yeah. But then Wainwright said he never misquoted me, despite that, despite the And I'm I, I remember looking like out of the corner of my mind, like, "What is he writing?" There's nothing. There's nothing there. They're lines. They're like hieroglyphics.
0: Hieroglyphics, yeah.
2: And yet he d- didn't misquote. Yeah. And that's an incredible trait as well. It's kind of an inside baseball, no pun intended. Trait. Um, I didn't know he I, when I saw that yesterday. Shocked. Shocked. Yeah, hundred percent. Joe Strauss's daughter Alexis texted me. That's how I knew because you and I were recording a podcast, yeah. and I got done and I looked down at my phone, and Alexis Strauss had texted me, and uh, I had no idea. But um, he had been ill briefly yeah. and just retired. Uh, but an absolute professional, first class at what he did, but truly wonderful person to interact with. Somebody you looked forward to seeing, and um, he truly will be missed.
0: Absolutely, yeah. My mom worked at the Post Dispatch for 25 years, so worked with Hummel for a long, long time. And when I got into more, got into baseball in my high school or later part of my life, and I asked her, like you know, I'd ask her about the baseball guys, about the baseball writers at the Post Dispatch, and she loved everybody. But she spoke so highly of Rick Hummel, like the few times that she would go into the press box to write a feature story or something, she said that Rick was always there and so sweet and so nice. her would help her out with some things that she wasn't necessarily aware of when it comes to the intricacies of baseball, and really loved Rick. And the few times I got to meet him was just incredible. So Rick Hummel, absolute legend, obviously is is. He's a legend, and uh, he will be missed.
2: Uh, you can text in your thoughts, your tributes to Rick Hummel three one four three nine 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 six four six Air Comfort Service text line, uh, and uh, and we will read those throughout the course of the program. Got this text from a friend of mine to my phone just now. The amount of Cardinals institutional memory we've lost over the last month is astounding. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Uh, That's a a hell of an observation, and also I would say it's an accurate observation and a sad observation, true. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you think about over the last so many years, and it's not even many years, with Red Shandienst, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Mike Shannon, Rick Hummel, I feel like I am mistakenly leaving somebody out, and I hate to do that. That's why I don't like to just rattle names of people who have recently passed off the top of my head. Um, because I will inevitably leave somebody out. I'll look over at the text inbox for the name or names that I left out. But, yeah, I mean, those Bruce Suter recently passed. Um, You think about what the opening day ceremony most likely looked like on 2011, for example, Mm or 2012 versus now, and uh, it's, it's completely different. Yeah, oh, yeah. Tim, McCarver, uh, Tim McCarver, there you go. Yeah. There's another one. Yeah, I knew I was leaving him out. Uh, yeah, of course Dan Musial. But um, Yeah, I mean the last handful of years, I mean you had Brock and Gibson passing away within days of each other. But uh, yeah, just it's it's been it's been something else. And Rick Hummel is somebody who when you would see him. Uh, He carried respect without doing anything other than just being himself. Mm -hmm. And I loved reading him. I loved having him on the show because he would see things that most people wouldn't see because he's been around the team. And he also would have insight because the people associated with the team trusted him. And so you got insight uh, that uh, you just didn't get in many places from uh, a guy who, you know, had been working at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch since 1972. Unbelievable. 1972, and yeah. he retired last year, uh, but still was down in Jupiter this year and uh, was still, you know, a regular guest on shows oh, around yeah. town. Uh, he was on with Bernie Miklas on Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, he was uh, on with Mike Claiborne. Mike Claiborne, I believe, was on with Randy and, and Brooke and Kerry Davis this morning. Um, talking about him he was a part of Claiborne's podcast so um, he will truly be missed and I and I and I think that what uh, my buddy who texted me here said is you know from a from a big-picture perspective when you think about the memories the firsthand experiences of Mike Shannon and Rick Hummel and both passing away here this month that truly is. I mean, that's when you combine it. That's a hundred plus years of Cardinal baseball memories and firsthand experiences, and that is not replaceable. Right. You know, that's not replaceable. We can just appreciate the fact that we had them in our lives as St. Louisans and as Cardinal fans. Your tributes to uh, Rick Hummel, uh, 314-399-9646. Lisa, who you describe as a gem, Jackson, says Mm -hmm. we are lucky fan base with growing up on Buck, Shannon, the players, and the writers all sharing this love with all of us. And a love it is. That is from... Uh, Lisa, Uh, let's see, Hummel was the only guy that still believed in Paul the Young, that's from the 314, yes, there was a text exchange proof of that, (laughs) I believe Ben Fredrickson wrote about that. That's incredible. Yeah, I picked him up on the waiver wire a couple weeks ago, and then he wasn't playing. And I go, nah, I guess I'm, it's not going to be worth it. But I, I took a flyer. So, <laughs> yep, commish got me on that one, too. Half and half is coming your way. Taylor Twelman is coming your way. Your texts are welcome throughout. 314-3999-646. Air Comfort Service text line. Taylor Twelman brought to you by Together Credit Union coming up 1035. Half and half with Jackson imposing micro and macro questions coming up next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mugganess, St. Louis, Acura, and Alton Toyota, 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Welcome back. Balloon party driven by Mugganess, St. Louis Acura, and Toyota here on 101 ESPN. Taylor Tolman coming up at about 1035. It is time for Jackson to present the little Piddles half and half.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Do you feel the Cardinals failed to capitalize on opportunities in last night's loss to Cincinnati? That's a tough one. Top of the ninth with Nolan Arnauto and Nolan Gorman and runners in scoring position. They both get punched out. It's tough to think that you'd be in a game where the team strikes out 14 times, but they had their chances. Do you feel that they gave one away given the lesser The Reds struck
2: out 13 times, so it's a unique spot. They won a game. But, yeah, they had opportunities, and considering you're getting what you're getting from Paul the Young, phenomenal, uh, and you had what you had in the top of the ninth inning, that strikes me as one that you feel like you let get away. But here is the thing. Jackson, you always call me big picture Timmy. Big picture Timmy. I've been calling you that for years now. And here is what I have to say. In the month of April in particular, and then the first few games in the month of May, not only were they losing... They were losing some games by such large margins that it was just, I mean, it was really confusing. I mm-hmm. will not forget April of 2023 as one of the more surprising months in Cardinal baseball on the negative side. I think the, the, the winning streak of 2021 was the biggest surprise as far as a team just going from nothing to 18 straight that I could have never seen coming. Here is what I'm saying about this. Minus the five nothing game against Tony Gonsolin and the Dodgers on Friday night, the Cardinals lost to the Brewers last Tuesday night, and this past loss to the Reds last night. While disappointing, they were both there for the taking. Right, and I am, I'm taking that as a positive. I know it might sound like a rights holder kind of thing, or whatever criticism you're Homer, or whatever negative thing you'd want to say about it. But I'll tell you what I think, and that's what I, is exactly what I think that even games they lose that they get another subpar pitching performance, no way around it. I mean, but Jordan Montgomery, you know, was not good last night, and that's a couple in a row now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep an eye on that. That they were still right there and really could have and maybe make the case should have won. My point being that going back to. The middle series, middle of the series loss to the Cubs, which is two weeks ago now, they've been in a spot minus every game except that one against the Dodgers on Friday night to win. That's what you're looking for. You know, you're not going to sink every birdie putt, but if you're on in regulation, 16 out of 18 holes, you're going to have a good round. And the Cardinals are getting in a spot to win games um, again, what will continue to be the undercurrent of this team is the starting pitching and then how it impacts the bullpen, especially when you're in a stretch where you don't have off games, which is why you're seeing the different lineups and the mixing and matching last night, Newt Bar coming in and coming through. Uh, And they liked the matchups, as Derek Gould uh, wrote about in the Post-Dispatch this morning in the 10th inning, just weren't able to to get it done, but percentage-wise, they were in their favor. But you can't have starting pitching performances like they're going to have probably more often than not and survive and and thrive. Uh, So that's the thing that I keep an eye on, because now the team is winning and hitting, uh, and they're... They're getting the starting pitching. Think, things are kind of playing out here over the last couple of weeks, like you expected, with the exception of Paul DeYoung going off, mm-hmm. um, that Arnato is hitting. The team is scoring runs. Uh, they had been, during the 11-3 stretch, averaging more than 7.12 runs per game. They score five last night. They lose the game. But the starting pitching, more often than not, over those 14 games, wasn't the reason for the wins. And so last night, Montgomery, who had been the one bright spot in the right. staff in the first month of the season, is now really, while the Cardinals have been succeeding as a team lately, he is his stock has been on an indirect correlation. So yes, I feel like they left one out there last night. They probably stole one on Saturday against the Dodgers. And uh, overall, the thought is they're in these games every time over the last couple of weeks, minus one. So that would be 14 of 15 games. And that's a, that's a monster positive.
0: Yeah, I think that's... That's a great observation on that part there. And, yeah, I think a game where you can get a bad start from Montgomery, who is – Getting hit left and right. If you were able to pull out a win like that, that's such a confidence boost.
2: Yeah, it's a steal. It's a confidence boost. But again, you get these opportunities in the ninth inning, and you're just not capitalizing on them.
0: And to be fair, and I think I don't know like how locked in fans are on the on the Reds uh, operation, but Diaz, their guy, is is very good. He's carrying like a one something ERA, and he's been really good as of recent. So it's not like they got you know hammered by some scrub. He's a good player, but still, you got Gorman and Arenado up in the ninth inning with runners in scoring position. Position, you expect better and it's simple as that moving on kind of on to a more positive note does this turnaround offense during this turnaround offensively who do you think has been the standout or MVP of these two-week stretch that has been much improvement on the offensive numbers who still needs to step up offensively and or for the Cardinals to make a run.
2: Uh, Gorman and Arenado, and then we can move on. Uh, I mean, but De Young, De Young. has been outstanding. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, again, I think there's such a domino effect. If in the middle of the order, Arenado is the force that he's in. And last night, it's not like he looked good. He was striking out left and right, but uh, overall. And then Gorman's the National League Player of the Week. Yeah. But yes, De Young has been ridiculous. Um, yeah, I. I still want see more from the outfield i feel like the outfield is just kind of this it's been the infield it's it's newt bar Mm -hmm. and then it's you know you had the mercado game but that's a game right to the point that he's out there starting and i realize health is a factor with o'neill and carlson it's just I, i just can't imagine and maybe somebody will be able to point a team out to me right away and go, yeah. This is a team that was a real threat to win a World Series, but they just didn't get much from their outfield as far as offense goes. That is so rare, and and, and I wouldn't even say in the modern era. I would just say, as a whole in baseball, to not have that kind of uh, performance. And so that's where I, I don't know who it's going to be. There are certainly a lot of people, hence the logjam. <laughs> right. But that's where I, that's the direction I would point.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a great another great point is that. It's not necessarily like one individual. It's just somebody else outside of Bar needs to step off offensively in the outfield to cement themselves as like an everyday player. And I know had Bar no the day off yesterday, but still played. Uh, but Newbar is like established. It's not sure what position he will be playing out there, but he's out there almost every day. They just need like one more person to be like, all right, they're in there. And then you can rotate in that third guy. Because right now with the musical chairs thing in the outfield, you're just not going to get steady production. It seems the Cardinals are on the run a lot more in their recent run of success, reaching safely on stolen bags 18 times in the last two weeks compared to just 20 to start the season. Do you think, given the new rules and expanded bases, that this should be a staple of Cardinal offense in order to allow the hot-hitting club to keep driving runs?
2: Uh, I I personally will love it, and it's a default thing that isn't based on analytics, but based on just my own personal preference. But uh, I get why, considering the power that they have in the middle of the order, they don't want to have guys getting picked off, right. it, you know, it, it, it thrown out, caught stealing at second base. So I like it, but, I mean, when you're getting the kind of power you've gotten over the last couple of weeks from the middle of the order, I would understand why they're not doing it more often, but they have taken advantage of it with some really good base running at times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just I just like watching it. I just like watching guys run a little bit more. Create, I liked Tommy Edmonds stealing the bag last night. thought that was great. Uh, they didn't overturn the call, thank God. But, yeah, I, I just think... Moving on the base paths is better. All right, here we go. A little more evergreen stuff. Something we have talked about often is the rivalry between Kansas City and St. Louis, and the dynamic was emphasized over the weekend with the first matchup of these St. Louis dogs in Sporting Kansas City. What is your impression of the status of the city rivalry between St. Louis and Kansas City? Does it seem like there's a forced rivalry? Is it one-sided, or do you think that people in St. Louis have embraced some of the vitriol for Kansas City?
2: I think that the MLS is trying to play a role in creating rivalries because it's good for business. They try to do it with Chicago. They're trying to do it with Kansas City. I understand it. I get it. I, I, as far as the St. Louis, Kansas City thing, it was one-sided. Uh, when I was growing up and going to school at Mizzou, I had no idea about a rivalry, quote-unquote, and then all of a sudden I went to school there, and I'm going, what in the world is this? There are people in Kansas City who hate St. Louis, and in St. Louis, it's not like we hated Kansas I just didn't think anything of it. Right. And, and, I, and I think I speak for a lot of St. Louisans. Now, I think many St. Louisans might not feel good to say, would say St. Kansas City is on a better trajectory than St. Louis. Oh, yeah. But I still don't sit there and go, I hate the Chiefs and I hate the Royals. You know, I'm irritated by the, you know, kabuki theater of what went on with the Chiefs and the vote uh, and, you know, what. It's, fine. it's marketing, I get it, but it wasn't organic marketing with partnership yeah, between cool. the Blues and the yeah. Chiefs. Um, but hey, smart move on the Blues part, smart move on the Chiefs part. Um, so, you know, it's I, I don't know what the deal is. It just it was a big thing in sports talk radio in Kansas City in the late 90s and the early 2000s, the so crap on St. Louis. But I'm sure I'm talking to a lot of people right now who didn't go to, the, to school at the University of Missouri have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. So... Yeah, you just try and create rivalries because it's good for business. If you would ask somebody 20 years ago if Missouri is a rival of Arkansas's, you'd go, no. <laughs> right. Played them in the Independence Bowl, yeah. right? But now that Missouri's in the SEC and doesn't really have a rival, that's what they've tried to create. I assure you, when Texas comes into the SEC, Arkansas fans will focus on Texas. Having worked in Little Rock and television, all of the hatred of Arkansas fans is toward Texas. It's usually the rivalry. Rarely will you have it be balanced. There's usually kind of a little brother, big brother thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we don't think about it in the Midwest, but the Boston thing is because the little brother in New York and the San Francisco and Dodgers thing is is because San Francisco is the little brother of L.A. Same with the Padres and Dodgers, little brother, San Diego, down to the South. That's the, the, the Kansas City thing. It actually was little brother toward st louis mm-hmm. but now weird spot kansas city's moving in a better direction than st louis and so now i kind of feel like they're you know they're stomping be, on us at a vulnerable time they might be sunning us yeah they <laughs> might be sunning us i like that uh let's take a break and we'll come back with uh, taylor twelman speaking of which a four nothing win on saturday uh we'll get his perspective on it coming up and then we will finish off the half and half here brought to you by Monga S. st louis acura and alton toyota it is balloon party on 101 espn
1: Coverage of 101 ESPN is presented by Underlaw. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're headed down to the pitch to talk soccer and city SC with Taylor Twellman. This is Talking with Twelman on 101 ESPN. Presented by Together Credit Union together credit union the city sc visa credit card is exclusively available at togethercu.org
2: welcome back balloon party driven by mugging ass st louis actor and alton toyota on 101 espn and it is indeed our pleasure to welcome to the program ladies and gentlemen taylor twelman morning taylor what's going on my man how are you i am wonderful how are you how was the trip back to st louis Amazing, amazing!
3: It was the weather was great, uh, but the game was uh, breathtaking to say the
2: least. Yeah, what stood out? I mean, the atmosphere. I always, anytime I tune in, uh, I'm going, man, that atmosphere is incredible. You were on the call; you got to see it firsthand. In addition to the performance on the field, but uh, what did you think of that atmosphere for the game with Kansas City? I,
3: I just think some of the you know build up with whether it was Sporting Kansas City and the soccer capital of the United States and all of that uh, as I would call baby games for lack of a better phrase and leading into it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, there needs to be a little anxiety. There needs to be a little angst. There needs to be a little, um, hatred towards one another for a rivalry to be a rivalry. And, um, I think St. Louis City uh made a statement in the opening game.
2: Yeah, and uh and took a, an early advantage uh with the PK. Uh Kansas City's uh manager not on board with the call. What was your analysis uh, of the play that set up the PK? Uh I'm uh, listen, Peter Vermees, is kind of, it, it was
3: a soft penalty to say the least. Now, there was a viewpoint that uh VAR used We did our best to zoom in, and we couldn't provide that during the broadcast, so we had to use the real-life live action video and trying to pause it the same way they did. There was contact, but for me, it's soft. Um, If he doesn't blow his whistle, I'm not saying they need to go to VAR to change that either. So I don't think Peter Vermees is wrong. Where he is wrong is whether there is a penalty or not. His team was not ready to play, and St. Louis was.
2: Yeah, man, I mean, 4 nothing. I mean, whether there was or not, exactly, there's still three more goals uh, coming after that. And that was uh, an impressive performance across the board. What worked on Saturday night that really hadn't been there in some of the games here over the last month or so where City had gone from the hot streak to start the season to uh, some struggles?
3: Yeah, it had absolutely nothing to do with the four goals. It had everything to do with the mindset and the way St. Louis City prepared for the game and set foot in the opening whistle. And what I mean by that, Tim, is that I would say for the last four or five games, they've been second best energy-wise. They've been second best in the physical aspect of the game. And you and I have talked about it every single week. If physically you're not up for it, this system doesn't work. And so the only way this system works is that all 10 field players in front of Roman Berkey are on the same page on the front foot, making sure that you're defensively a nightmare to play against. I thought Joe Keeney was fantastic because he was way more disciplined with his positioning. Obviously Berkey stood on his head as he's done throughout the entire year. But for me, the biggest difference was from the opening whistle, all 11 players were on the same page about what the game plan was. But more importantly, they were ready to punch Kansas City in the face, which they haven't done in the previous four or five weeks.
2: You mentioned uh, Berkey's performance, Taylor. Uh, he uh, certainly bailed them out a couple of times, and he's he's been doing that as of late. He has uh, been a bright star. What did you see from him on Saturday as you were on the call?
3: Well, what's interesting is that – like. The saves were made when Sporting Kansas City were chasing the game. Other than the first one in the first half where, obviously, Polito hit a good shot. It was deflected, and Berkey makes that look a lot easier than it is. But, Tim, I'm going to give you a number that very few people would know because they're not in the weeds the way I am. He has saved 5.97 goals, expected goals. Wow. And what I mean by that is that the inside numbers and analytically – He has single-handedly been the difference from St. Louis City giving up six more goals. Now, the second-best goalkeeper in the league is at two. So that's a four-goal difference. You and I both know the difference. That's probably three wins. And so where Roman Berkey's been fantastic is the leadership, uh, the ability, and the experience, I think, there of being in big moments, big games. But that's not worth $2 million a year. What's worth $2 million a year is standing on your head, saving six goals on the season. That's number one in the league by far, and I think he has surpassed a lot of people's expectations. Lutz Fondenshield won't tell you he has. I can guarantee you he has, even to his standard, but he has surprised the heck out of me because very few, if any, goalkeepers have had this kind of performance this early on in their MLS tenure, and Roman Berkey has been single-handedly the biggest difference
2: why St. Louis City, it's in the position they are. Taylor Twelman, our guest, every Tuesday here on 101 ESPN, he is presented to you by Together Credit Union. So the three largest wins this year, uh, 4-0 Real Salt Lake, 5-1 Cincinnati in that weather-delayed game, and then the one you just were on the call of this past Saturday, Taylor. Possession was 42% or below, 39-42 and 34, respectively. Obviously more successful turning teams over um, and then exploiting. But previous to the Kansas City game, the last four opponents have been letting them have the ball. How can they combat that Moving forward, do we see a real change that they can instill going forward here uh, into Vancouver from what you saw Saturday night?
3: It's a great question because I don't think there's an answer to that yet. I really don't. I think Portland, Minnesota, uh, they've laid the blueprint on how to go to St. Louis and play them. Um, And so I don't think there's an answer to that. I really think Bradley Carnot and his staff are still trying to figure that out. Now, the way you combat that is just say, you know what, we're not going to. We're still going to go forward. We're still going to high press. And if you want us to have the ball, we're still going to go 1,000 miles an hour forward. And the only reason why I say that, whether I agree with it or not, it still puts you in the mindset of the game being hectic. They won the game 4-0 over the weekend, 180 passes, Tim. Wow. Sporting Kansas City completed 330. So they don't want the ball. St. Louis City does not want the ball. That's not a secret. And so if you don't have that answer, I think Edwin Leuven and Blum, the balance there was very good. I think Leuven playing a little deeper helps this team because he gets on the ball in better spots. So if you do say, you know what, we're going to sit in and let St. Louis City have the ball, well, then Bradley Carnell can say, all right, fine, I'm putting my best player on the ball more than that. And so maybe that's the wrinkle that you see in weeks to come. But I don't think they have a definitive answer yet. And so the only way you can combat that if you're Bradley Carnell in St. Louis City is say, you know what, we're not going to do it. We're just going to make the game hectic as quickly as possible. And that's going to be playing in our attacking third and trying to turn them over. The best creator for St. Louis City right now is turning them over. We saw it with the second goal. We saw it even with the penalty. So it, that's the only way St. Louis City is going to create chances. But I do think you, you saw a little bit of a wrinkle was Edwin Leuven playing as a uh, number eight deep lying central midfielder versus playing as the 10?
2: I want to get your perspective on where they stand uh, when you take a look at uh, the Western Conference. Uh, you know, more than a third of the way through the season now at this point, hey, they're still up there um, and, uh, and have a game in hand on, uh, on Dallas, who, of course, they've played. Uh, is this thing, especially after this past Saturday night, still trending in a direction where you think that this team can, can get into the, the postseason? Yeah,
3: I mean, I think the goals have changed, if you want me to be completely honest. I think with the start that you've had now, I think you have to have the goal of hosting a playoff game. I think anything less would be a, a disappointing. I mean, listen, it's partially their fault, right? Never a, an expansion team in MLS history has gone 5-0. and oh. So you do that, then everyone else is like, whoa, wait a minute. Now you've set the expectation bar a little higher. If they went 2-2-1, two, two and one, Tim, you and I are, you're not asking me that. Right. And if you are, you're asking me in the sense of if they get into the playoffs, it's still a success. I said this to Lutz. I said this to Bradley Carnell when we met before the game. The goal has to be hosting a playoff game. And they you can tell in their eyes, yeah, they wanted to agree with it. But the last six games, they've only won once against MLS opponents. So a little bit of humility set in. But the performance this weekend, you got Vancouver coming to your place where you should win that game. I, I don't know, my man. I, I think success in, the, in in the level of expectation that bar has to be hosting a playoff game.
2: All right, final question for you: Where did you dine while in St. Louis? A lot of talk of wearing your kit to uh, to Annie Guns. Did that happen? And uh, other than Annie Guns, where did you go? I need to know.
3: Well, I wouldn't see any guns with the kid on. They yes. told me immediately to take it off if you want to be served. So I did. <laughs> so that was sitting at the bar with no shirt on. Um, I do. I do. Pepper's Deli. Pepper's Deli in West That's in a nice play. Field is off the hook. Um, the veggie. The Garden Grinders a joke. And then naturally, the production um, crew had to have emos post game. So. They had a million toasted raviolis. How, how
2: how was that received? Because as you know, many who are not from St. Louis uh, will frown and occasionally mock the St. Louis-style pizza. I
3: could care less what anyone thinks. I'm eating it. They are, too. And they, they whether they like it or not, I could give... Two rats behind, whether they like it or not.
2: There you go. That's the move. I'm the host. You will enjoy what I enjoy. I like that. I hear applause. Where's the that's Is that you, Jackson? That's the gallery. Oh, the gallery. What a gallery we have here on 18. I
3: mean, what a gallery. That gallery travels with me wherever I go. <laughs> yeah, so that's nice fun to fun. have.
2: That's nice <laughs> to have that support. Taylor, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. All right, see you guys next week. Nice All right, time. that's Taylor Twelman brought to you by Together Credit Union here on Tuesdays on Balloon Park. I swear I heard clapping. That was me. Oh, it was you. Well, yeah, I'm but the your gallery. Arms were, your arms were moving, it's and I'm a- like, that Mike Ryder's got like, some kind of... one of my secret tricks. Really? I
0: can clap without moving my arms. My goodness. Yeah. Fascinating.
2: Uh, Taylor Twelman, every Tuesday, brought to you by Together Credit Union. Uh, We will finish up the half and half of uh, Jackson's Tuesday half and half, coming up in our final segment of Balloon Party, driven by Mungan, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN.
1: we are right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Welcome back. Uh, It's Balloon Party, a program that monitors the uh, markets for you, and I mean the gambling market. Jackson, uh, Celtics, if you think they can mount a Sunday charge against uh, the Heat, plus 650, that is the number. Uh, Would you throw 100 on that? I know 100 means nothing to you. I've seen you blow your nose with a $100 bill before. Uh, I saw Kepka do that last night at the the Panthers game. What, What do you... What do you say about that? The Heat minus one thousand. You got to bet a thousand to win hundred. You can put a hundred on the Celtics to come back and win it, and you get six fifty. What are you doing?
0: I'd rather do the Celtics one. That'd be more. It'd be a more fun bet to cheer. We don't for.
2: make decisions with our hearts on this show. We are businessmen. You know, I'm going to go on a little rant here. Oh my God! What a moment! I Ladies would be and gentlemen, Jackson Burkett. Yeah, I'm going to
0: get deep here. I'd be really. Really excited to bet that number for the Celtics. If one time Uh-oh. they would send a double team to Jimmy Butler. One time. You're going to let Grant Williams play one-on-one with Jimmy Butler? Barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. Send a double. Let Gabe Vincent crush you. Let Duncan Robinson crush you. Stop letting Jimmy Butler do whatever he wants. And how about you go hunt a, oh, a, a weaker a defender? Takes, this
2: is Dan Orloski Jr.
0: I, get Duncan Robinson on Tatum. Let him cook. Get... Gabe Vincent on Jalen Brown. Stop letting the Heat do whatever they want. They had times where the entire half of the court was just Jimmy Butler playing one-on-one with Grant Williams. Every time, that's going to go poorly for you. Joe Mazzula, I know it's your first year coaching. The, the Celtics have had three coaches in three years. Right. That's not an excuse for not sending a double. Send the double team!
2: Text in 314-399-9646, basically for my own amusement. This is just a. Little... This is a preview of what yeah. it will be tomorrow when I'm at yeah. the pre-K graduation and you are in here doing the show yeah. by yourself. I can I can see
0: Mike Ryder's mouth watering. He said more of this. <laughs>
2: yeah, <just> like, <laughs> exactly what he
0: was saying. I need a lot more of this.
2: So your Cardinal baseball odds, despite the fact that they lost last night, plus two hundred uh, to win the National League Central. I've been monitoring that. I really have been monitoring that market, and uh, yeah, plus two hundred. If I had to bet it, I would bet it but I certainly was more attracted to it a couple weeks ago when it was a plus 7. It wasn't even a couple weeks ago. It was 11 days ago when it was plus 750. Cardinals World Series odds, plus 4,000 to win the National League. The Braves, plus 240. Dodgers, plus 250. Padres, plus 600. Still buying into the Padres. I mean, that's a situation. You want to talk about a situation. Yeah, boy. The Cardinals were so bad that they kind of overshadowed the Padres situation. But that's a team that's five games under five hundred in they spent. that market yeah. with what they spent with that lineup. Yeah, wow, can't can't have it. Woo, I just, am telling you that is a situation.
0: And that pitching staff—that's another thing. It's not like with the Cardinals where it's just offense. They got a real pitching that staff too. That is a
2: that is a that's a hell of a situation. But they're still the third favorite to win the National League. Brewers plus eight fifty, Mets plus eight fifty, Phillies plus fifteen hundred, Cardinals plus fifteen hundred. They're your National League odds. Jackson second half of the Little pittles, Half and Half. Yeah. This is
0: a question that, uh, of course, is rooted in the association, but has has since branched out to other sports. Uh, We saw, so, Tim, I'm going to take you back two years. 2021, Mm -hmm. you had the Phoenix Suns taking on the Milwaukee Bucks.
2: Oh, we all remember where we were.
0: Yep, and the Milwaukee Bucks won. Both of the coaches of those teams have since been
2: fired. Mm -hmm.
0: And this happened last year. Monty Williams. Don't tell me
2: you're going to repeat a question from last week. I I I might throw something. Did I ask this question already? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I don't think I did. Okay, where, where's the question going? We certainly touched on the 2021 NBA Finals within the last week. And candidly, if you would have had the over-under set at a half on how many times we'd talk about the 2021 NBA Finals in May of 2023, I would have gone under, and yet here we are. We're going the second time in five shows. I, just, I don't
0: know if I've asked this question.
2: No. Do you think across all sports we are living in a time where a coach yes. must win now and yes. firings will be we've even do, quicker? We've done this. We've, absolutely right. done this. we've absolutely done this. We've absolutely done this. We've done. I mean, you know, we. This is another tease of what you can expect tomorrow for the Lil Piddles Hour when I'm at the pre-K graduation. All right, here we go. It'll be like a best of. It'll be like a tribute band. Yeah,
0: I I like it. Um <laughs> Here are some of my favorite takes. <laughs> All right, I got. I guess I got this one. Well, <laughs> that's Jamie Rivers' music. Uh, no, he
2: can't be coming in here. Here's my Alex Petrangelo with the Edmonton Oilers
0: take take a listen. He wears number seven. I Just find that interesting. Well, we have been in college sports dormancy since the end of the tournament for some since Georgia raised the title trophy Uh a lot has been going on in behind the scenes in the biggest pro amateur coalition in the world We have teams either actively looking to leave their conference or have already announced their departure. The transfer portal is robust as ever, and the NIL rules are still somewhat unclear and bordering on the wild, wild west. 2023 might be a pivotal year in college athletics. How much do you anticipate them changing over the next five to ten years? Are you looking forward to the changes? How will the common fan be impacted by the impending
2: changes? Well, I I do like that question. I don't believe we've uh, gone deep on it. I'm concerned... Because I already see the impact of it. What used to be a big deal, for example, whether it be um, Luther Burden, Mm -hmm. two years ago, I guess, at this point, since he'll be a sophomore, or a decade ago with Doriel Green Beckham, those moments of the announcement of the signing, you could at least... I don't want to say con yourself into, but believe that it could be a transformational day for a program. And I'm obviously speaking from a Missouri football fan standpoint when I say that. And now the real cultivation of a football program, I feel like, and perhaps a basketball program as well is in the transfer portal. And so you may have a player that you could be, could be excited about, but you can only be excited about him really for one year. And then in the back of your mind, if you're say a Missouri, you go, Oh God, he had such a good year. He's probably going to go to, you know, the Yankees and Red Sox of college football and go play for Alabama or Georgia or whomever. And that is, that has changed it. I don't really know what the realistic solution to it is. I just observe it taking place. I love college football so much, even when Missouri is not a factor. And I realize Mm -hmm. that's the majority of the time that it it's something that from a, a long-term perspective it concerns me at the same time I would imagine there'll be a solution the issue is I just don't really know what realistically they can they can implement it is truly uh, the wild wild west in in chaos
0: oh yeah and you know if you're a coach are you spending more time and resources to recruiting 18-year-old high school kids or are you spending yeah. time on the transfer that's like portal because you're well, getting it, a development. It depends player. on what,
2: what level you're at, but if you are at that level, and it isn't just Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, it can be another prestigious program or in a desirable location, um, that you have a hell of a lot more potential of being successful in the transfer portal than than many of the other schools. So that's... That's a factor. Yeah. And to recruit a a 17 year old, 16, 17 year old and watch them leave after the first year. Yeah, that's that's a real thing. It doesn't dampen my enthusiasm for the college football season, but it's something that I think we're going to see uh, be a negative all while the college football playoff expands, which I think should be. A positive. 10.58 in St. Louis. at time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Taylor Twelman with us earlier in the show. You can go pot- back and podcast. Dom Tyron Auto Center's podcast. Don't forget, Fastlane and Rizzuto show from 105.7 The pointer squaring off once again in a softball home run derby hosted by the O'Fallon Hoots. Join us next Saturday, June 3rd at CarShield Field in O'Fallon, Missouri for the Fastlane versus the Riz show. Home run derby brought to you by Swiss Air Heating and Cooling and complete auto body and repair. There'll be a fast pitch MLB alumni home run derby later that night featuring Andrew Jones, Mike Matheny, Scott Spezio, and Bo Hart. Watch this, Bo Hart. Hard Hard worker. worker. Thank you. General admission tickets are on sale now for just $15. Get all the details on this year's O'Fallon Hoots Home Run Derby now at 101espn.com. Time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota.
1: You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101espn.